1: All right. Hey, 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 everyone. This is the Sing Second Sports Podcast. I am John Schofield. Your host. Joining me is Bill Wagner of the Capital Gazette newspaper. And Chris Cervello is our producer running Old Man Radio and doing all the hard things. Speaking of the hard things, the Navy, outdoor track and field teams, men and women handled the hard things in horrible weather conditions. Even Bill Wagner had to channel a little bit of Catherine Fominique as he wrote his great story for the Capital Gazette about the championships that both men and women won over the weekend, saying that the strong winds and pelting rains didn't phase host Navy one bit. And it did not. Caden Daly and Katie Halbert, Katie Halbert, a two-time visitor to this podcast, led the way as the Mids put a nice little punctuation mark, a nice exclamation point, on the end of what was a really, really great season, by sweeping the men's and women's Patriot League championships and basically doing it in ass-kicking fashion, the men won 11 events, piling up a meet record 333 points, just 94 more points than runner-up Army. Again, that's a trouncing. Navy women took uh, first in 10 events on the way to amassing 281 and a half points, which is the second most in meat history. It was the ninth outdoor overall championship and eighth straight for the Navy men and sixth overall and fourth straight for the women. An absolute clinic. Uh, Navy director tr- of track and field Jamie Cook was named the Patriot League Outdoor Coach of the Year for both men and women, and I would say deservedly so. Wags, you covered this. We've talked to Katie Halbert. We've talked about how unbelievably athletic the premier Vicks out there. I mean, even Alex Rizzo, you know, only had a a runner up finish, but all of these athletes all year for track and field have been doing nothing but, but performing and perform together. They did over the weekend. And here you go, another Patriot League championship.
2: Well, it's a real credit to Jamie Cook and his staff that what they're doing is just phenomenal. And this is a, a clean sweep of the entire academic year that maybe was the Patriot league men's and women's cross country champions. They were the Patriot league indoor track and field champions and now outdoor. So they swept all three seasons, which is just tremendous. And it shows what a great job the staff is doing with the program. Need to mention Miguel Mathias. Cause he won two events, the 5,000 and 10,000 and was named track athlete of the meet. Halbert was terrific again with her multi event uh, versatility a tremendous performance. I mean, it, it, you mentioned, look at the scores on both the men's and women's side. It's not even close. There's no, you know, even suspense. Uh, Navy's just rolling, um, winning so many of a majority of events. It's really impressive. Uh, Ingram Field, that was obviously, I mean, Lord, John, you saw Saturday. That was uh, heavy winds and rain and just, I mean, it's uh, it was, almost. It was horrible. Yeah, almost surprising they don't, Postpone, but i guess they can't they got a, a a schedule they've got to keep to next week's going to be some other event regionals are upcoming so they got to have them when they're having them and it just that's that's not ideal weather for track and field outdoor track and field i'll tell you that but hats off to the navy men's and women's track and field teams so many great performances we couldn't i mean i'm looking at the paragraphs in which i list all the navy winners and they go on and on and on um so uh, we don't need to name every single uh Navy athlete that won, but uh, there were a lot of them, John.
1: Yeah, great. Again, great punctuation mark to this season. They're still not done. In fact, rowing and track and field are the only sports that are really still going um, as we near commissioning week here at the, uh, you know, kind of the middle of May. But wow. Again, Katie Halbert, yeah, that's, she's going to go down, has to go down as one of the greatest track and field athletes we've had. And again, so engaging, so awesome to talk to. And obviously, the leadership on these teams has been there. We've talked to both of the captains. Can't be happier for how their season is continuing to go and everything that they have accomplished. Let's talk about other Patriot League championship results. Navy women's lacrosse, unfortunately, fell to the fifth-year and six year se- uh, senior-laden Loyola Greyhounds 15-8 to in the Patriot League Championship game. Things looked okay. They got down 1-0, made it 1-1, and then really the death knell for Navy was a 6-0 run after that, all of a sudden finding themselves down 7-1, and after that, it was really too much to overcome. Uh, Jillian Wilson for Loyola had five goals. Graduate student uh, Libby Rosenwig uh, scored once and handed out five assists. So now Loyola goes to the dance. Navy did not get that at-large call during the selection show on ESPNU. And now those seniors, Reagan Roloffs among them as the co-captain, you know, now they, they exit without really getting the benefit of that final NCAA dance. I was hoping that their strength of schedule would be considered in the grand scheme of things their strength of schedule really wasn't what it needed to be to get into the field. Um, a lot of other teams are in there. I mean, Maryland is the number two overall seed. North Carolina obviously looks strong with their graduate transfers, but in the end, I think, you know, Cindy has got to be pleased with how the season went, but it sounded like she knew that Loyola with all of these players with extra eligibility wags, were going to be too tough to overcome. Well, it's,
2: it's not a level playing field, John. I mean, Loyola's best players are graduate students. Livy Rosenwag, who's named MVP of the tournament, and Katie Detweiler, who's their standout defender, who covered Reagan Roloffs, and you know Loyola swept the Patriot League awards. They had the attacker of the year, the midfielder of the year, the defender of the year, the goalkeeper of the year, the coach of the year. Uh, Army's coach should have gotten coach of the year, by the way, um, but they're just. They, they're graduate students and fifth-year players, so imagine how good Navy would have been this season if all of the seniors from 2020 and 2021 were still on the team. That's what Navy's contending with, and it's not a level playing field, and it's going to be another two years before this COVID extra years of eligibility runs its course and we get back to, you know, fair and fair, you know, fair and square as far as who's available and and it just is killing the service academies but they don't use that as an excuse um but Loyola is just a better team they're more talented they're more skilled they're deeper um it was a tough ass to beat them on their home field um Navy played well but Loyola's just overpowered them they're just they're too much and uh, as far as the NCAA tournament Johns Hopkins getting in is a joke Johns Hopkins lost to Navy Johns Hopkins has No wins over any team in the current tournament field. Navy had three wins over teams in the NCAA tournament field, but Navy probably was not the biggest omission. Uh, There's other schools that have complaints. Arizona State's one of them. But, uh, yeah, I did not have any hope that Navy was going to get an at-large bid. I didn't think the Patriot League was uh, warranting of an at-large bid.
1: Yeah. And, you know, the same Befell Army who I I actually thought was going to shock the world and beat BU in the men's final. Uh, That did not happen. And BU will now go to the uh, to the NCAA uh, tournament to represent the Patriot League. You want to talk about some omissions on the men's end? You know, like, holy cow, Notre Dame and Duke not getting in. Bad things happening to Duke. I'll never complain about. But in this particular case, like, wow, that's pretty crazy. Uh, baseball, unfortunately, all of this weather, it did affect the Navy women's lacrosse team on Saturday. It was horrible up at Loyal. It was obviously horrible down here too. Um, and it, for baseball, the final games of their season were also canceled because of the weather, but due to Holy Cross's successful weekend series, they get the fourth seed, go to the Patriot League tournament. And so Coach Kostakopoulos' team season ends as well. Wags, before we go to the break and bring in our guests, what was your take overall on how baseball did? Kind of a, I don't know, apropos end in, in some sort of way with the cancellation of their final games. You know, they they lost to Georgetown midweek in a game in College Park. You know, put on a good show, only lost by one. But really the damage was done throughout the Patriot League season. They could never find that consistency too many games giving up 13 runs, 18 runs, 9 runs, 11 runs, 13 runs. Um, a lot of crooked numbers ended up on their score sheets uh, for this season. And I would say that addressing that and addressing pitching is what Costi has to think about in 22-23, right?
2: Rare down year for Bidavi Baseball. But it doesn't happen often. Costi's built a very consistent perennially solid program inexperience in the pitching staff you know I'm looking at the staff ERA ended up at almost seven you know you're giving up seven runs a game that's not going to cut it and offensively some guys that you really thought you would count on Zach Stevens has been an outstanding hitter for Navy during his career but as a senior he didn't get it done he had 236 with four homers 19 RBIs those are subpar numbers for him and Logan Keller who led the Patriot League in RBIs last year. He only hit 249 with four homers and 25 RBIs. So, you know, Christian Policelli got it done. He, he hit 328 with uh, 11 doubles, a uh, total of uh, 16 extra base hits, 33 RBIs. And Colin Smith was a revelation. He really uh, gave Navy a number two hitter, a 309 batting average for Colin, 32 RBIs, and then Alex Smith. 298 with 30 RB those three were the only consistent performers at the plate for Navy. And so the, the offense didn't get the job done. The pitching didn't get the job done. And that's how you end up with a overall record of 19 and 26 and a Patriot league mark of 10 and 15, John.
1: Yep. And I, I just, I've watched some of the Holy cross games. I don't believe Holy cross should be in the Patriot league tournament over Navy, but you know, when, when you don't take care of business in the conference, that's what happens and Costi's season is over. Uh, another team whose season ended, but hats off to them completely. Down in Chapel Hill over the weekend, Navy men's tennis went in against a ranked Carolina team, number 15, uh, on their home court, and they took a historic double doubles point but then dropped everything else. A 4-1 loss uh, in the first round of the NCAA tennis tournament. Since 1999, when the NCAA field was expanded to 64 teams, and every conference champion earned an automatic berth into the field, the only other time any Patriot League team, not a service academy, any Patriot League team, earned a point of any kind in the NCAA tournament, was in that first season of 1999 when Navy's Mitch Koch won a number one singles match at Mississippi. Hats off to Coach Garner and Navy men's tennis for getting to the NCAA tournament, getting that historic point, but unfortunately their season ends as well. Um, overall, fantastic weekend. Great job to Navy and uh, Navy men's and women's track and field. Um, we are going to go to break. When we come back, we've got two great guests. Rear Admiral, retired Scott Sanders, uh, is going to join us. And then after that, fantastic, fantastic interview with Dan Runsheimer, Class of 06 uh, with Custodes Libertatus uh, going to talk to us about the great things that that organization does. Stick with us. This is Sing Second Sports.
0: A special thank you to our sponsors at Red Red Wine Bar and Dry 85 on Main Street in Annapolis. Whether you're an Annapolis resident or if you're coming into town to watch sports or for a reunion, or you just wanna get back to Naptown as the weather gets nicer. My favorite is a Cabernet and a Cuban sandwich at Red Red Wine Bar or an Old Fashioned and a Dry 85 burger at Dry 85. You can't go wrong with either. Be sure to check out both establishments. And again, thank you to Brian and Lisa Bolter for all of their fantastic support. Now back to the pod.
1: Hey, hey, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Thanks for sticking with us, with us through the break. It is time for our alumni segment. It's really special today. We have a great guest, Rear Admiral Scott Sanders, a, a member of the great class of 1980, designated a naval aviator in 1982, went on to become an E2C pilot, uh, transitioned to the reserves, Uh, retired as a two-star admiral, and among other successful things, uh, was and is a Naval Academy Blue and Gold officer, uh, and has now started his own business, the Tobacco Barn Distillery. Number one, Admiral, thank you so much for joining the podcast. Number two, tell us a little bit more about Tobacco Barn. You know, where is it located? Where have you set up shop and, and what do people need to know about it?
3: Well, thanks, Chris. It's good to be with you and John on this. um, We're down in a place called Hollywood, Maryland. Most people don't know where that is, but we're right near Naval Air Station, Patuxent River, Maryland, about 12 miles north, about an hour south of Annapolis. It takes me an hour and 10 minutes to get to Annapolis. So we're on on that side of the bay, just go south from Annapolis. We're on a corn farm,
1: so we grow the corn to make our bourbon and all our whiskey. How long have you been doing this and, and what got you into this? You know, I I know a lot of people when they retire from the military, they go work for Lockheed Martin or for Northrop Grumman, or they're an SES or a a GS in the Pentagon. What, what drew you to this particular vocation? Well, it's, it's kind of
3: ties into my Navy career. Um, the, the Colonel that started was back in 2009 or so. I was the, uh, international counter piracy task force commander off Somalia, CTF 151. And um, I would, you know, I I had a lot of engagements. So I've been on Chinese ships three times, Russian ships, everybody in NATO, Far East, all that. And we all know the Navy's kind of a bunch of cheapskates. So I would be doing these engagements and I'd be going there, I'd be getting something from the Pakistani National Museum as a gift and I'd have a uh, USS Anzio ball cap to give them. And I would just, you know, <laughs> I was very ashamed. And so I, I went back, and I said, hey, don't we have anything? And they said, nope, we don't have the budget for that. So just out of my own pocket, we were luckily had a port call uh, coming up. So I, I purchased four bottles of bourbon out of my own pocket, and I started handing those out, and uh, my wife sent me a little gold sharpie. i put, uh, thanks for helping pirates, love and kisses, Admiral Sanders, and as I tell people, from that point on, I became the most popular date in the Gulf of Aden, so <laughs> I've been on Chinese ships three times. Not many people have, and I am nobody in the Navy, but that Chinese Admiral wanted another bottle of bourbon. That's exactly what he wanted. He didn't
1: want to talk to me again. so before i turn it over to chris who has some connection with you from your uh blue and gold officer days you know we're both uh you know bourbon aficionados we we've been known to taste the brown water on occasion you know for you what makes a good bourbon and other than your own batches you know where do you usually go to when you need that good glass of uh two to three fingers at the end of a hard day
3: yeah, the, the the good thing about bourbon is uh it's highly regulated and very specified in law. So, but it's kind of simple. It just has to be a minimum of 51% corn. The other 49% in the mash bill you can play with. So there's a lot of contours, there's a lot of variety in bourbon. So you can, they all don't taste the same if you if you know where you're going to on that. So we're a high rye mash bill in our bourbon. We're about Uh, and so I kind of tend toward those when I, when I like them. Uh, I mean, I like a good four roses. It's a high rye bourbon in there. Um, angels envy, which is technically not a bourbon, uh, you know, which is kind of silly, but anyways, uh, I like angels envy. There's, there's a lot of good things out there to try. And I, I try them all. My wife calls it heavy drinking, but I call it product research.
1: <laughs> I'm going to steal that, uh, Chris. I know that your uh, that your eventual landing spot at the U.S. Naval Academy uh, was in due in large part to Scott Sanders. Uh, I'll turn it over to you for a little bit of that Q and A.
0: Thanks, and thank you, Scott, for uh, for joining us. Um, y- you've mentored hundreds of young men and women uh, over the years, um, what, and both you know in conjunction with the Navy, the Naval Academy, but also just in the community in general. Can you talk a little bit about um, the physical side um, of the of the mission of the Naval Academy and how that helped you both as a as a midshipman? Kind of what you looked for as a blue and gold officer, and you know maybe as some of that has stuck with you as a successful uh, professional and business person a- after your Navy time.
3: Yeah, that, that's a great Chris question, Chris, because it it gets to um, you know I was a recruited football player to the Naval Academy. I wasn't very good, but at least I was recruited. And so I was all, you know, ready to go play football, all this. And I was psyched up about it. And, uh, I got, I messed my knee up plebe summer. I, I didn't even make it to tea table. So that was quite depressing. Um, and as it goes through, so, you know, you're a football player, you, you think one way you're doing this. And then as it turned out, I, uh, my sophomore year, youngster year, my roommate was on the sailing team, the offshore team. And uh, I ended up, I was very fortunate. I got on the offshore team as varsity for three years from uh youngster year on. And uh, we had an awesome sailing team. I mean, we won national championships. So when you think of the physical mix and there's a difference in the, in the physical, what you need as a football player, and the difference of the physical is what you need as an offshore sailor because it's more the elements. I mean, at first, they, I would just be the, the, the big guy who gets on the side of the boat they tell me to and walk, grind the winches they need me to. But then over time, you pick up skills and you learn things. I mean, we were very fortunate. I mean, my coach, I think, I think second class here, was Gary Jobson. I mean, he's now the ESPN sports commentator um and you know, he's been there, a guest on our he's pod. a world renowned <laughs> and he was my coach at the naval okay he owned the north sail locker in annapolis i mean we were so we didn't know how good we had it. we'd go out racing we're on we're on a, we a uh, is called it was a freres 46 it was a great racing boat uh called patriot still remember her her sale number was four 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 and we would blow out a number two jenny or some you know or, or, you know, Spinnaker or something, and we'd have a new one in two days because <laughs> Gary Jobson was our coach. It was phenomenal. I, I still can't believe it. to this day. We, we had a world class coach, a world class boat, and great people sailing. Kind of shifts you, Chris. It's kind of like when you get there to leave summer, you think you're too cool for school and everybody's this. Boy, my, my world crumbled when I couldn't play football. But then you just pick yourself back up. Okay, what am I going to do? I, I, I'm i from Arizona. I'm, there's no way I should be on the offshore sailing team, But you just do, and you figure stuff out.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think – I mean, that's a great story because there's so many people that came to the Naval Academy thinking that they were going to do one thing, and then just because of either adversity or just because of interest, they found something else that they were really good at, and whether that's offshore sailing, whether it's intramurals, whether it's another club or varsity sport, I mean, that – uh, that's the cool thing about the Naval Academy. And then you carry that forward um, I- into your your career. Um, switching back to, to Bourbon, before we came on, you had mentioned um, that, you know, not only are you starting to grow there in the, in the Southern Maryland area with Tobacco Barn, but that you are starting to get into the Annapolis area. If people want to find uh, Tobacco Barn, um, wh- where can they find it and how, how
3: can they find it? So right now we're at uh bay ridge in annapolis and Eastport liquors they can go there and then i've uh, been uh hopefully in a few months we'll have we're gonna have more to release i mean i, I like to get into mills because he's a naval academy guy great person he and his wife i think are 95 grads they they run an awesome business there in downtown annapolis and uh and those type of things i might even be having an uh we're going to have uh, former Secretary of the Navy has his boat down near me uh, getting fixed. We might even do an impromptu event in Annapolis sometime here. But And I'm also at, there's a thing called Annapolis First Sundays. There's an arts market there. I'm on West Street. I was just there two days ago. I'll be there in August and September and November, the, the first Sunday of the month.
0: Before we let you go, um, can you share uh, sort of a little bit of a C story? Y- you've combined bourbon and uh, naval aviation a few times. Can
3: you talk about uh, the venture that, that you've uh, you've put together? I'll say we're traditionalists when it comes to bourbon, but bourbon is fun, and so we do some a little off the wall things to uh, for charities. So for Semper Fine, America's fun. I mean, I own a distillery. I have a friend of mine because I'm near Pax forever the test bait, he owns a Harrier jet. <laughs> and so we just, you know, we said, hey, let's fly some bourbon on a Harrier jet. And so uh we did that last August for uh Semper Fi and America's Fund. We've got, uh, we had four 25-gallon barrels that we put two in each fuel tank. So we fit them in there and uh flew it. Uh, as, we say, as we say, we set three bourbon aviation world records. And the most important one is not just the speed and the t- and the pressure change, but those barrels were about four feet away from a Rolls-Royce engine for 65 minutes. I mean, the vibration, the amount, it's a it's a smoky bourbon because uh you just it it shakes those barrels pretty hard. And we're gonna be that'll be released here right about Memorial Day. That's awesome. Thank you for
0: for sharing that. I mean, again, it just shows one of the great things that I've really enjoyed about you ever since I met you as a a high school guy is, I mean, just you make Navy, Naval Academy, and Naval Aviation fun. Um, And uh, for those of our younger listeners who, you know, sort of are just out of the Academy and maybe still have that Academy hangover, um, you embody what uh, the opportunity that being a Naval Academy graduate graduate uh pre- presents both in your professional career but you know now in this this business venture so thank you very much for coming on
3: no i appreciate it and yeah you just never know where to, i mean it's so cool that you know speaking of naval academy sports Diego Fago just got you know he just got drafted by the Baltimore Ravens man i hope to be able to go see him up there
1: well when you do sir we uh we promise to uh share a uh a glass of bourbon with you for sure Um, Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, it's called Tobacco Barn. Please look for it at Eastport Liquors or Bay Ridge Liquors. And come on up for First Sundays starting in August, September, and October. What a great thing to do maybe a Naval Academy football game on a Saturday and then check it out on First Sunday. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to go to break. When we come back, WAGS, Chris, and I will have our next guest. This is Second Sports.
0: A special thank you to our friends at the Naptown Scoop. Hey, if you're an Annapolis resident or somebody that lives outside of Annapolis but gets back to town like me, you definitely want to sign up for the Naptown Scoop. There is not a better place online to find out the latest in local politics, sports, weather, restaurant openings what acts will be playing at what bars over the weekend, go to naptownscoop.com, click on the subscribe button and start getting in the know. That's naptownscoop.com, click on subscribe. Now back
1: to the pod. Hey, hey, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Thanks for sticking with us through the break. Today, we are really happy to be joined by class of 2006 grad, Dan Rensheimer. Uh Dan is the secretary and treasurer of Custodes Libertadis, the Memorial Foundation, started by the class of 2006. Uh, I'll let him tell you a little bit more about that. Uh, But after graduating in 2006, he joined the Marine Corps as an infantry officer, deployed. Uh, He currently serves uh, as an operating executive at a rapidly growing automotive software business and is the founder or co-founder of several private companies After attending the U.S. Naval Academy, Dan also attended the Wharton School at UPenn for Business. Dan, number one, thank you so much for joining the podcast. Number two, tell us a little bit more about the organization that I just described. Hey, good morning, gentlemen,
4: and thanks for having me on this morning. And very much appreciate the opportunity to speak with you and to speak to your audience, which certainly has uh, brought attention from, from the Naval Academy family. Um, Costatus Libertatus was founded, as you all know, from, from Justin's visit to the podcast to assist with the education needs of fallen members of the Naval Academy uh, alumni family. So each year we've helped between four and six families to uh, cover costs associated with education needs at colleges, technical schools, and trade schools. And this year, this last year, with your help, we were able to raise over $100,000 towards this effort, and we provided uh, four or five families with sub- substantial scholarship assistance, uh, nearly $20,000 last year. Um, so happy to answer any other questions on the effort, but very thankful for your assistance with this effort so far over the last year.
1: Well, Dan, before I let uh, Wags and Chris ask you a couple of questions, you know, we, we talked a little bit uh, to Justin about it. But from your perspective, how did this get started? You know what, what is it What's the special sauce in the class of 06? Um, you know that, that was able to move this to something that that generated uh, so much good. You know, th- and I'll go over the numbers here. You, you've just wrapped your end of year reporting. Um, uh, Costodas Libertatus awarded 11 scholarships totaling nineteen, five hundred and two dollars and raised in total, One hundred and thirty-one thousand plus dollars um you know you obviously hope to continue to raise the funds at that rate in the coming years How, how did you get to this level and and what do you need from our listeners and beyond our listeners in order for this to continue to succeed you know it's a great question if I had to identify
4: the special sauce that made this happen, I think it is the, the common bond, not just amongst the class of 2006, but really the, uh, the post 9-11 generation of alumni who, you know, we were exposed to two different ground combat theaters, as well as numerous humanitarian uh, missions and over this period of time, I think we've all been humbled and impacted by the sacrifices of, of the alumni in this era. And for our class, we had a number of classmates, you know, that we have, we have lost in uh, both in combat, but also particularly in training activities, as well as several classmates who have been wounded, wounded and severely injured. And that was really the impetus around our 10 year reunion to start something that could help assist families in the future, but families from all classes to carry on what is arguably the biggest financial burden in a family's life, which is the post-secondary education needs of their children. Um, And so I think that special sauce is is really the bond of of not only our class, but the classes that have served together in very challenging conditions and have exhibited that care and concern for for the families and and their legacy and their sacrifice. Um, Going forward, what's the biggest need right now? To be frank, we have been overwhelmed with the generosity of of numerous donors. Uh, Last year saw our donor base grow to well over 100 unique um, individual contributors. And we've seen the expansion across many class years uh, other Naval Academy classes coming in to help sponsor the program. But the biggest ask we have right now actually is Custodos Libertatus is participating in an organization called Carry the Load and their Memorial May relays and rallies. And you can find more information about this at carrytheload.org. We've got a team under Custodos Libertatus um, But it's the one opportunity really that a small organization like us can provide a a physical outlet and a physical event for not only donors all over the country to come and participate in something that honors the true meaning of Memorial Day, but also a lot of the families that uh, have, have been beneficiaries of Custodes over the last five years. A lot of those children and, and their parents and siblings participate in these relays and they're all over the country. I believe there are four or five relay routes this year, um, which actually kicked off last Friday night and they end up culminating in, in Dallas with a, a massive relay there that has tens of thousands of people show up to walk um, in honor and in memory um, of the families and the service members uh, who paid the ultimate sacrifice? So that's our our biggest need right now. Is we'd love to see participation throughout the country on our carry the load team. Um, and as you mentioned, we're we're way ahead on our fundraising goal for the last year. So it's it's really getting out and that physical support participation uh, for the mission.
1: Yeah, the uh, the relays traverse twenty thousand miles through forty eight states, and this is all to honor our nation's fallen heroes. Uh, so please, we implore you to, to go out and get more information and find a way to support, uh, Chris Cervello, any questions on your end? Thank you so much uh, for, for joining us. As you said, I mean, this is not just a, a class of
0: 2006. Um, it's not even really just a Naval Academy. I mean, the, the connections that you guys have forged across the, the Naval service and across the country is, uh. Is admirable. Um, where do you see this going into the future? We're going to help this year, and our audience is going to continue to help. But where does this go into the future um, as you continue to to help um, the families of uh, your fallen shipmates?
4: Yeah, it's a great question, Chris. I think right now our immediate vision of the future is to establish a uh, perpetual fund, if you will, and we believe if we get to a threshold of about $2 million, that amount can can serve and support uh, those family members both now and in the future with their education needs. Uh, so I think from the, the planning and the financial standpoint, that's where we, we see the effort going. And we're about 20 to 25% of the way towards that goal. I think in terms of the mission of the foundation, we have been Deliberately focused on this particular set of needs for the families, and we will always continue to watch and and monitor and take suggestions for other mission uh, mission areas that might support this community and uh, and our fallen graduates. Um, so there there may be an opportunity to uh, to add different programs in the future. You know maybe we work down the um, down the education chain, into helping with, with other needs for education um, at earlier periods in children's life, but right now we've been laser focused on supporting these families with um, with the post secondary needs because of the just the tremendous cost that's there and that's imposed on you know military families um, across the board. So that's that's our vision and that's our outlook we're, we're flexible, we're nimble, and we continue to, to monitor for new opportunities and new ideas. But uh, I think that that probably best lays out what the vision is for these families and for the, um, the budget and the plan of the foundation.
2: Well, I'm wondering, and I don't know if this is kind of private or, or not, but I'm wondering if you could maybe give us a personal anecdote of a, of a family that you all have helped. I know that, um, we recently suffered the death of Brian Bourgeois, a former Navy football player um, who was a Navy SEAL and was uh, on a training uh, run and, and had an accident in which he was killed. And I know that his friends and the graduates of his class are helping to raise fund, funds to help with the education of his children. But maybe a personal anecdote of, uh, of kind of what you do to bring it to a more personal light.
4: You bet. Um, I, I appreciate that question, and thanks for asking that, Bill. You know, I think one of my favorite stories over the last six years um, is the story of the Donovan family, and you can find some more information about their family, both on our website as well as the the virtual Memorial Hall project. Um, but two daughters, uh, both have have. Uh, been beneficiaries of the foundation, and uh, Kelsey Donovan, who you'll find a note from her posted on our, on the foundation's website at fallenshipmate.org. She recently completed a medical program and is is now serving in the capacity of, uh, in the healthcare field, and has, has worked at a VA hospital. And so, you know, her service back to veterans, Via her uh, particularly demanding healthcare training um, graduate program, is is just very heartwarming. You know the the costs of going through a medical program are extremely expensive, and she was able to complete that program successfully on time, and then uh, and then to serve in that VA community, um, that that truly is meaningful to us, right? Um, she is now paying it forward for these other veterans and providing them with exceptional medical care. Um, and it, it's, just a, it's just a wonderful story of a family oriented on service.
2: And last for me, how, how does a family of a fallen service member reach out to you? I mean, obviously we're trying to spread the word and let folks know that this organization exists and can help those in need. But uh, what, how does someone apply to get you know, help from you all? Absolutely.
4: Great question. Uh, thanks for that, Bill. Any family in the, uh, the Naval Academy Gold Star family community or uh, whose who's family member has been lost during a training incident or while serving as a first responder, uh, law enforcement officer, or intelligence officer, um, all of those families are included Uh, within the the set of families that we hope to serve. And all you need to do is go to fallenshipmate.org. There's a contact us page and you can send send in a quick note. And one of us will typically respond the same day. Uh, Just leave us a phone number or an email and we'll follow up immediately. Uh, that's the easiest way to find us. You can also find us on, you can find myself or Justin Free or Jared Sprunk on uh, LinkedIn. But the website is typically the best way to notify us. Um, you know, we respond within minutes or hours, but would love to help serve some more of the families that are out there.
1: And uh, from, from us here at Sing Second Sports, thank you so much for for what you and the rest of the organization, for what you do. Um, We'll continue to put the word out. Ladies and gentlemen, again, go to fallenshipmate.org. Please be a part of this very special organization. Again, this is one of the many, many, many things that makes the Naval Academy and the Naval Academy family so special. So, Dan, from us to you, thank you so much. And we can't can't wait to have you on in the future to talk about bigger and better uh, financial numbers uh, to help these families. Thank you so much,
4: John. Really humbled to be on the show today. And uh, thanks for what you all are doing to help
1: bring notice to these families. We are gonna go to break. When we come back, WAGS, Chris, and I will bring this thing out. This is Sing Second Sports.
0: One last read before we let you go. This is my favorite read of the week because it involves Hawaiian shirts. It's that time of year. The weather is getting warmer. You're gonna be heading to barbecues and it is true. The only Aloha shirt for Annapolis is now available. A fellow alumni partnered with Ryan Spooner of Hawaii to create a unique and timeless homage to your years on the Severn or your commitment to raising or hosting a midshipman. If you're a parent or sponsor, you don't just have to be a grad to wear this cool shirt. Ryan Spooner is known as the Brooks Brothers of the Islands for quality and style. Their shirts are amazing. This is a one-time opportunity. It expires at the end of May. So if you're interested, go to annapolis-shirt.myshopify.com. One more time, annapolis-shirt.myshopify.com. Get yours today. And remember, time tied and the Annapolis Aloha shirt wait for no one. So check it out today. Now back to the pod.
1: All right, boys! Awesome conversations today. Thanks to Admiral Sanders. Hope to try uh, that bourbon. Get down to uh, get down to Bay Ridge Liquors and try some of that out. We are coming to the end. This is the penultimate episode of the season. Everything will come to an end next Friday as we talk to Chuck Gladchuck and get his thoughts on what a great year it was. I personally thought it was a great year. Um, obviously, the results against Army were incredible. Uh, And going through the spring season here, a couple of blips on the, uh, on the radar there with baseball. But, you know, as we discussed track and field having an absolutely unbelievable season, men's tennis, women's tennis, getting the star. um, It was a really special time for the physical mission and the, the merits of it from a team concept Uh, what all of the teams were doing, not only against Army, but the whole season. But there were also a lot of individual accolades, Uh, in particular, Jen Coleman, what she did. Matt Nosita, uh, leading that squad from the center back position and and getting drafted number seven uh, by the New York Red Bulls. Uh, Diego Fago, getting an invite from the Baltimore Ravens and Mikey McMorris uh, also. You know, and we talked to Evan Robertson last week. You know, here's a kid who's you know out there, heavyweight rowing, getting after it, being a leader um, as an athlete, and he's got an opportunity now to go to um, to go to Scotland next year and take advantage of the Marshall Scholarship that she got, and take advantage of the Marshall Scholarship that he got. That is an awesome opportunity. And just this week, the Naval Academy announced that two more midshipmen, William Jarrett. Uh, and Chase Lee, both firsties, uh, were named Knight Hennessy Scholars, which provides full funding for students to pursue a graduate degree at, that's right, Stanford. Some people call it the Villanova of the West. I just call it Stanford. It's not a big deal. Uh, Jarrett and Lee are two of 70 scholars selected to the program's fifth cohort of students. More than 6,500 candidates competed for one of the 70 scholarships awarded so hats off to these two firsties who will now get an uh, opportunity to study at Stanford for a year. And Chris, I'm going to kick it over to you as we go out. I am unbelievably impressed, you know, not only with midshipman Jarrett, Jarrett and Lee, uh, but also Evan Robertson last week. And as I heard them talk about their experience and what Sarah Skinner you know, when she talked to us earlier in the season about her Rhodes Scholarship and what she's going to be doing for the next year to two years at Oxford, all of these situations strike very similar to me to what the um, pro athletes, and, and I mentioned Asita and Diego Fago and Mikey McMorris um, and Jen Coleman, you know, waiting to hear if they will get the opportunity to go out and try the pro circuit. Uh, And for me, for for them to go out and get that opportunity as the Navy adjudicates and waits and tries to decide on what they allow them to do, allowing people to go play pro sports for me is very, very similar to what Midshipman Lee and Jarrett and, and Evan Robertson and Sarah Skinner will get to do, which is essentially delay their arrival to the fleet, get their degree you know, become an ensign or in the case of, you know, pro athletes waiting to to be determined whether they can play, you know, be placed in a hold, but let them be placed in a hold while they try out this pro dream. You know, Jarrett and Lee and Evan Robertson and Sarah Skinner are all at the very top of their game. They were selected in a very, very selected process. And and the same can be said of Diego Figo's opportunity with the Baltimore Ravens, particularly Matt Nosita's opportunity with the New York Red Bulls. And for me, I just think that we need to look at these opportunities to play pro sports more through the lens of the opportunities that we allow some of these scholars. We let them delay their service so that they can go out and sharpen their sword a little bit more. And Diego Fago and these other three amazing athletes are asking the same thing. Chris, I know you and I have been talking about this for more, longer, than, than this podcast has been in existence since we were on the Chinfo news desk in the mid-2000s. You know, I, I, I know that you have a lot of thoughts on this, but for me, with all of these secondary education opportunities coming in, and I know that you got one of those opportunities to delay your arrival to the fleet by going to Monterey, I, I think this is probably something near and dear to your heart. Well, it, it absolutely is, John. I mean, everybody that goes to the
0: Naval Academy and, and uh, completes four years, you don't get to the end by accident. You get there by hard work, and you get there by teamwork, and you know people helping you. And and so when we we've done a great job over the history of the institution in recognizing those folks that have excelled in academics, um, you know we we throw the the full weight of the uh, of the institution of the naval service, um, in some cases of the government behind allowing them to carry out the postgraduate opportunities that that exist. I, like you, want to see the same done for our athletic standouts. Diego Fago came to the Naval Academy, gave everything that he could give, is going to get to the end, is now, you know, one of the X number of you know, college athletes who have an opportunity to go and, and and perform at the next level the same way that a Marshall scholarship or or, you, you know, any of these other scholars would, would be able to do. And so we, we ought to treat it the same. And then we can figure out, you, you know, we can figure out when. Um, he comes back to the Marine Corps and how he continues to serve. And if he takes off in the NFL, we can figure out how to recoup that, that money or how to, how to put him in a position um, with his you know, success and fame that it benefits the Navy and it benefits the Marine Corps. And so we're really only limited by our creativity and by the ability to sort of think the same way that we, we think about academics. Um, until we get there, the people that lose out in this are, are the midshipmen athletes and really the larger Naval Academy community. Because, I mean, there is so much that seeing these athletes play on Sunday or seeing them play in the WNBA or seeing them play in the MLS. I mean, that could do so much for the brand of the Naval Academy. And people would say, well, that's not their job is to, uh, it, to increase the brand of the Naval Academy. Well, I, I would argue differently. Far more people are going to see Diego Fago, are going to see Keenan Reynolds, are going to see, um, you know, some of the other folks, David Robinson, and they're going to want to come to Annapolis, they're going to want to serve, they're going to want to raise their right hand, because of seeing those people. So we just need to expand our mind a little bit, we need to think a little bit more holistically. Um, and I really hope that these folks that have this opportunity this year, I hope that as I said last week, I hope that Secretary of the Navy Carlos Del Toro will step up and do the right thing. Will use the authorities that he has been given. He doesn't need anything more than what he already has to has been given in his authorities to just make this happen. And then, you know, if it gets to Secretary Austin, I hope he he does the right thing as well. So a little bit of a uh, a l- little bit of a of a monologue, John. I apologize, but like you, I feel very strongly about this.
1: No, and I, I want to hear from Wags on this, particularly, you know, the latest that he knows from a, you know, from a uh, journalist perspective on, on what the status is of these, um, of these requests. But first of all, you know, for, for all of the curmudgeony alumni out there, I think that these are athletes who are just getting over on their classmates and wanting to get out of their obligation, uh, having talked to all of them. Yeah, this year, and in one shape or form, we have come across all four of these athletes that have an opportunity uh, to go play professional sports. There is no part of them that's trying to get over on their classmates. And yes, there are sometimes good deals that befall people, and they should deserve or not they they deserve to have an opportunity to chase that you know particular endeavor. And, and if this were 500 people a year and it's affecting the force structure of, of the Navy or Marine Corps, yeah, then then this is a hard no. But these are four to five to six people a year. We send more people to these graduate education programs uh, than are going to these. And they are absolutely in the brand building business every single day. We don't do reform briefs at the Naval Academy and instruct guys about how to go out there and wear your whites properly and walk around Main Street in Annapolis properly without thinking about how they are reflecting on the brand of the Naval Academy. So they are all brand ambassadors right up through the end of what I hope is a ton of potential pro careers out of people. Because, again, you don't have to be an admiral to reflect well on the brand of the Naval Academy. And I think that these four athletes have an opportunity to do that. Wow.
2: Well, John, I've been consistent on this all along. I absolutely think that it's a win-win for the Navy to allow these athletes to pursue professional sports. I mean, everyone involved with Navy gets excited when Joe Cardona's playing for the Patriots and Keenan Reynolds playing for the Seattle Seahawks. They love it. So I don't know. and, And I think the Trump policy is ideal because you play, if you get cut, you have to serve. So nobody's getting out of anything. There's no cut shortcutting your military obligation. You're, you're just being given an opportunity to pursue pro sports while you are in your prime while strike, while the iron's hot, while you have, you know, interest from the NFL. You, it's very hard to go serve for two, three, five years and then try to come back and resume your playing career in whatever sport it may be. Now, I will mention real quick that Jennifer Coleman, who was invited to training camp with the Washington Mystics, my friend Kareem Copeland from the Washington Post covers the Mystics, and he informs that Jen Coleman was cut, waived by the Mystics on the opening day of training camp. Not sure exactly what went down there, but Jen Coleman's dream of playing in the WNBA is temporarily on hold, unless, of course, some other, Organization picks her up, but she's no longer with the Washington Mystics. But it, I feel I agree with all of your points. I Agree with everything Chris said, John. You make a very good uh, comparison with these other for, you know, midshipmen who are being allowed to go delay their military obligation and go do something else because of their extraordinary abilities. I don't see how it doesn't apply to sports equally, uh, and why this has to be such a struggle every year. This is every year. We have this, are they going to be out of play or not? And, you know, we still have no word. You know, Diego Figo and Michael McMorris went to rookie free agent mini camps with the Ravens and Redskins, respectively, this past weekend. they are not under contract because I don't believe that the Navy is allowing them to sign contracts as of yet. Um, But I do believe they'll ultimately be given the opportunity to play. I do think Diego Figo has a very good chance to make the Ravens as an undrafted free agent, uh, if and when he signs, that would be his,
1: you what know, he be classified as. Uh, but I agree with all your points, guys. Yeah, my my final point would be this. I, I, like you said, Wags, the process is too laborious. And, and I know for a fact that there are a couple of these athletes right now who are like, hey, can I just get some information? You know, so I can make plans. So I know whether I'm suiting up for a pro team or whether I'm going to like swass. Um, and, and this is where I get a little bit irked. And I know that the same thing happened with Noah Song and it irritated me the same way then. You know, there, there needs to be an easier um, administrative process for this from the Pentagon right to the Commandant's admin at the US Naval Academy. These are not a lot of requests from this. I, I, would, I would submit that they probably send people out to the fleet retention program more than they have to deal with a professional athlete request. And so there, there has to be something that takes place that makes us more streamlined, less agonizing for the, for the athletes. And I, for one, want to use my megaphone to say these are not people trying to get over these are not people who are reflecting poorly on the Naval Academy. This is all Naval Academy family. They are benefiting from how they performed in the physical mission, just the way that some of our scholars are benefiting the way that they performed in the educational or in the mental mission. Um, so that that's our squawk, Chris, any final words before we take this penultimate uh, episode out? I have absolute faith
0: that the leadership is going to do the right thing. So- all that said, I, I am still optimistic, John. I will hey, guys, you. I
2: want to jump in real quick with Go a ahead. fun little thing. Uh, the Capitol reported, I, I was over at uh, the Naval Academy campus on, I want to say it was Wednesday, to do women's lacrosse interviews. And I drove off the yard by going around Alumni Hall. And as I turned to head out, of, I saw on the parade grounds, I, what do they call that, Warden Field, John? That is correct. I saw this massive concert set up, and I'm thinking, "Wow, this looks pretty serious. Doesn't look like just the Naval Academy Jazz Band." And sure enough, it was Flow Rider. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're a,
1: you're a big Flow Rider guy. I heard.
2: Welcome to my house, John. I love that song. And uh, but I, I was curious, Chris, when you were at the Naval Academy, this has become somewhat of a tradition, and I'm curious when and how it started, but they don't announce these concerts no one knows until they've happened but it's become a bit of a tradition where they have these pretty well known performers come and perform for the
0: brigade on the last day of classes they do that when you were at the naval academy chris i don't think so i mean i remember the beach boys uh coming when i was a plebe um and it was just for the naval academy uh, Naval Academy community but I don't remember anything being done at the end of classes I think that's a more sort of recent tradition uh, I yeah, think Jimmy Buffett team yeah. right John, I mean, there's some big name folks yeah I mean not third, slow rider third team, eye but, blind you know.
1: came when I was the PAO um, you know for you 90s fans um, but yeah it's it's a pretty cool thing um, uh, ironically yeah one year there was an act, you know, a kind of a heavy, like, heavy-duty rap act, um, not flow Rida, like, actually um, a, a, like, hard-charging rap act, and I had to be part of the phone call where we tried to approve what lyrics they used. Let me just say that that did not end well, and they didn't come. Uh, but, like, yeah, it's it's a great thing for them. I, I didn't know about it either until the Capitol published a story about Flo Rida being there. That must have been... At like Bright Lights, Big City Warden Field. That's where the partying is. Well, uh, I'm going to let Wags get back to his Flo Rida CDs. And I and I emphasize CDs um, for Chris Cervello and Bill Wagner. I am John Schofield. We will be back next Friday for the last episode of the season. Many thanks to you, the fans, our sponsors, and to NAAA. We will see you next week. This is Sing Second Sports. We're out.